0: And once more, welcome to Sharing Socks. I am, uh, of course, uh, Southside Sox duty geezer, Lee Allen, along with uh, West Coast correspondent, my son, Will Allen. And we will again be pretending to know what we're talking about during what turned out to be a very busy week uh, for White Sox activity. But we thought we'd bring in somebody who probably does know what he's talking about. in the person of Southside Soxer James Fox, uh, and we will let him be authoritative. But first, James, since you're new to the show, why don't you uh, let folks know just what your background is, uh, White Sox-wise.
1: Yeah, so I'm the, uh, you know, I'm a editor, podcast host over at, at Future Sox, you know, to do the, the minor league and the prospect side. And then I do, you know, major league stuff here at, at Southside Sox. So, um, you know, it's been fun. I've been, at, you know, at Southside Sox or – hit pen or, you know, wherever for, for the past year. And I've enjoyed it, you know, doing big league content here. So, you know, I've uh, accumulated some contacts over the years and, you know, broken a few stories, mostly on the minor league side, but, you know, I'm just here having and, fun uh, with everybody else's.
2: And tell us about where this is a new thing we're we're trying out called share your socks. So uh, tell us about your fandom. Like when did, when did you become a socks fan? That kind of thing.
1: Okay, so, um, you know, when I was a kid, my, I've had, I had Sox fans and Cub fans like in my family, right? So, like, my mom's side were Cubs fans, my dad's side were Sox fans. Same. I, uh, I, I, I fell in love with Frank Thomas. I'm 35. So, um, you know, early night, early 90s, that was, you know, I liked the black and the white. And then obviously, like, they had Frank Thomas. So that's pretty much the reason why I came this, this direction.
2: I'm pretty much right there with you. I'm 34, and uh, Frank Thomas. For me, because I was so small, Ray Durham was always my guy. Uh, just I, I love little second basemen. So I was a, I was a big Ray Durham guy. Um, but that's awesome. So long time Sox fan. Long time Sox. Fan. Oh yeah.
0: Well, let us let us make a generational move here away from the big hurt. Uh, just to take a moment. On Monday, Dick Allen died, and Dick Allen is, as much as anything, uh, no relation, incidentally, uh, as much as anything, the reason I became uh, a Sox fan, and uh, that was, I first came to Chicago other than boot camp uh, in 1971, the Sox were miserable, 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 they'd lost their main radio station, they went to this little tiny station in uh, Evanston, and a network of dozens. I ended up working part-time for that station and getting to occasionally be a second engineer at the Sox games. And that meant being able to sit up in the radio booth behind home plate and watch Dick Allen bat. And he hit the ball harder than any human being I've ever seen hit a baseball. I still swear the ball went flat on one side when he hit it. Um, They have the jokes about tore the cover off the ball I think he could have done it and to the point where he would not intentionally hit the ball up the middle because he was afraid of killing a pitcher in the process of doing that Uh, now sometimes
2: coincidentally that's the same reason I never hit the ball (laughs) up the middle I was just too worried I was like I better just bloop it over the first baseman and hope (laughs) that it falls so no one gets hurt
0: so that's that's our background on those things other actions have, have been busy this week of course a new uh, radio announcer stolen from the north side which is i guess good i i don't watch cubs tv at all i have no idea yeah, he's supposed to be very good uh, i'd have no idea i couldn't pick him out of a lineup i couldn't pick his voice out of an audio lineup but uh, I guess uh, uh, Lester he's here and I'm, he, he says he wants to be in radio and this somebody who worked both TV and radio um, yeah I'd much rather work radio and TV any day and I'm, and I'm with him especially in sports where you get to be a total describer of everything
1: yeah I mean I, so, I I think that his you know his reasoning for that is too that he, he really wants to do like playoff baseball and World Series baseball when you're on the TV side obviously you don't get a chance to do that so you know, that's, I think that was kind of what he said. I mean, he, he grew up wanting to, he idolized Ernie Harwell as a kid in Detroit and, you know, whether that's like truly the reason or not, who knows, but I do think a big part of it is like, you know, he thinks he, he's going to have a chance to like call playoff baseball and hopefully world series baseball at some point.
0: Yeah, I think and so I, and too. I, I, yeah. It's and a I, great choice. Great radio, just greater thing to do. It, it really is in, in sports, you know, TV, you're, you're kind of a fill-in guy. You can bring in some stats, maybe some strategies. But radio, you're it. You're telling everybody everything about the game. You can't have any dead air. It's much more challenging than uh, television work. But on we go, onto the field itself. Two big moves by the White Sox in the opening days of the winter meetings, one of which is met with mixed reaction, one of which is kind of a jaw-dropper. Um, the first one.
2: I was as shocked about Lance Lynn as you are, Dad. I just <laughs> want to say, I just want to say, I'm right there with you. That was a jaw dropper. We got our safety net, our our good guy, and Adam Eaton, and then to go out and get Lance Lynn is, well, what were we thinking?
0: the The move for Lynn is it, interesting, and the reason it's got attitudes both ways. It's it's a rental. Uh, Lynn's got one year left. On, on his contract, and you're trading the entirety basically of Dane Dunning's career uh, for that. But that's theoretically sends a message we're going for it in 2021, which makes sense because the division is going to be absolute trash. You might as well take advantage of that. Um, at the same time, the idea was to be good for a real long time. So that's why it's mixed. James, what's, what's your take?
1: So, you know, my take on that is that it, it's definitely a fair price. I mean, I understand people being upset over Dane Dunning just because, like, that's one of the guys that we've seen before, and he looked pretty good last year. You know, I do think you've got to give to get a little bit. Lance Lynn's been really good over the last two years. He's, you know, absolutely, like, exactly what they need. And, and I do think that there's something to be said for, you know, the new pitching coach that came in, Ethan Katz. It, it just seems like he prefers Michael Kopech and Dylan Cease. You know, like, if one of their young starters is expendable, um, the guy that they deemed expendable is Dane Dunning, right? So so that's why they made that trade. And, you know, I get they have a lot of younger pitching prospects, too, where maybe you'd say, oh, get rid of one of them instead. But I do get, like, Lance Lane is going to take Dane Dunning's roster spot anyway, so then maybe you save some of those other guys um, for later deals down the road. I do think Dane Dunning is – Probably a number four starter in the big leagues for a long time, but I'm not sure he can give the White Sox 160-plus innings next season, which is something that they need. So I just, I just think they felt like it was something that they could afford to do at this point. And while you did only trade for one year of Lance Lynn, uh, I think he's going to be easy to extend. He's a Indianapolis native. I mean, if you want to add two years onto that deal, I think that would be possible here at some point. That'd totally agree.
0: Yeah. thanks so. You mentioned the, the innings eating, which is a very important part of Lynn. It seems to me especially, especially if he's followed by Dylan Cease in rotation. And Cease is going to wear out bullpens left, right, in the middle because he can barely get out of the second inning. Uh, having Lynn give the bullpen a little bit of a rest the day before could be a, a pretty crucial move.
2: Dylan Cease is never going to come on this show, despite how I I call him "shutdown Cease." I, I preach for him every week, and then you come on and you say these things about Dylan, and we just we have no chance of getting Dylan. Um, I I really like this deal. I I think it's a good deal. I think Dane Dunning, you know, as as James just said, you have to give to get. No one's giving you Lance Lynn for free. He's been he's been a really solid pitcher the last few years. I also like that he seems excited to come to Chicago. I think he's excited to be on a potential playoff team. Um, and he is exactly what we needed. I actually, I praise this move a lot. This move was was really what we needed to come in after Keiko in that rotation. And, of course, I'm sad to give up Dunning. You're always sad to give up a a, pro, a, a pitcher who has got a potential decent ceiling But we also know Lance Lynn is a workhorse and we don't have a lot of pitchers who necessarily are workhorses right now. And we need that guy. I actually, I I really, really like this move.
0: Uh, James, one thing, since you're a minor league expert, the toss-in, Avery Weems. I have no idea. What's he like?
1: Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's actually really interesting. So Avery Weems was a six round pick in 2019 and he was a senior out of Arizona and generally seniors like are, are kind of like throwaway picks. What the White Sox have done lately, they they've taken a lot of high school guys in early rounds and high school guys are expensive. Um, and there's only so much you can spend. So then you take high, you take college seniors that cost like $10,000. Avery Weems signed for $10,000. He was kind of a bad starter at Arizona. Right away, the White Sox converted him to relief. His fastball ticked up a little bit, and they, like, taught him a slider that's, like, a really good pitch now somehow. Um, So he was really good in rookie ball last year, like, in 2019 after his draft year. And then apparently he took a big step, like, in fall instructs, like, instructional league, um, and he could profile as, like, a reliever down the road. So, um, like, Texas apparently saw him in instructional league and deemed him, like, a worthy throw-in. The thing that I think is important, you know, he's 23, he's a reliever profile. So look, the Sox aren't losing a ton, but the fact that they turned a six-round pick, ten thousand dollars senior sign into the second part of a deal for a guy like Lance Lynn is, it's pretty good for like their uh, their scouting and development staff. So you know, that's that that's kind of a win. He's not a household name, obviously. He was probably going to be on the back half of some top 30 lists, you know, when you know, in, for Baseball America and whatnot. Um, and now he obviously won't be, but yeah he he's a guy that you know most people didn't really know, and honestly, like even for stuff like we do at future socks, like we didn't we didn't have him ranked at all, we didn't know, you know we weren't privy to some of that information that he'd made like that many changes developmentally.
2: That's amazing that they were able to put him onto this deal and make it the thing that sold it um it almost makes me fear that wames has a new screwball unlike anything anyone's ever seen and the White Sox don't know about it, but the Rangers do. Uh, Wow. What a, what a deal. What a deal. But it is,
1: you know, it is that, you know, so he he might be in their big league bullpen a year and a half from now. I don't think anybody's going to care if Lance Lynn's really good. So.
2: Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a good deal. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. And I heard there was another signing this week. I can't Uh. wait to find out who it was. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, we'll be right back. All right, cool. We already talked about our buddy Lance Lynn. It seems like the vibes are pretty positive around here when it comes to Lynn, uh, at least in this virtual room. I've seen some other feelings on Twitter. Uh, but, uh, Geezer, if you want to tell us about uh, another thing that happened this
0: <laughs> Well, the other one, I, I am wearing uh, today for, the, for this uh, my 2005 World Champions shirt in honor of the Lance Lynn trade, but still wearing my hat backwards uh, because of the backwards direction the team takes with move number two, which is bringing back uh, the immortal Adam Eaton, which now I want to say first off, it had one very important positive aspect, which it has brought a ton of Drake LaRoche jokes out in the open again <laughs> that we <laughs> that we've been missing for years. Uh, other than that. I'm mystified. I, it's, you, you make a move with Lynn that says, we're going for it now and we're going to be great, and you make a move with Eaton that says, well, we're just kind of satisfied with scrimping along with somebody else's garbage. He wasn't even a free agent, except for Washington non-tendered him. Uh, if your team non-tendered you, there's questions. If you're <laughs> going to take a non-tender, I'd rather have Eddie Rosario anyway. But, uh, yeah, I mean, i you guys
1: go ahead. <laughs> so, I'm, you know, I'm I'm not really sure I can make anybody feel any better. So, you know, I actually did really like Adam Eaton the player, like when the Sox traded him. You know, he was he was a pretty underrated guy, and that's evident in what they got back for him in the deal. Now, yeah, I mean, he just he hasn't been very good. Now, I understand I was pushing the Jock Peterson idea, like I understand if they don't want to give three years to jock peterson and they think it's too many strikeouts in a lineup that's already full of strikeouts right if adam eaton is 2018 adam eaton then i think you can deal with his nonsense and you know he hits down at the bottom of the lineup and he, he makes a lot of contact and he draws walks and he's kind of a profile that they don't have. and i think you're banking on he hasn't been that good defensively bad. Um, yeah. he, yeah. And he doesn't make a ton of hard contact. So like, that's a profile that like, you don't love at this point. Look, my, they had to have like, I've praised some of their changes in pro scouting. I mean, they hired a, a biomechanical engineer by the name of Ben Hansen, Um, and then Nick Hostetler, those guys are on the pro scouting side now. So look like they see something they think Adam Eaton can help them. Obviously he's probably only going to face righties, you know, because Adam Engel will face the lefties. It's a one-year deal. There's not really any really bad one-year deals. But this, to me, Adam Eaton's the guy you signed in January when you missed out on your targets, you know. Yeah, And, totally and they agree. did it now. So my my thought is that we're going to see, you know, hopefully like a Liam Hendricks here um, and maybe another starter, like a Jose Quintana. My guess is Rick Hahn knows the budget that he has, right? Jerry said you can spend this amount of money. And he knows how much Liam Hendricks is going to cost. He knows how much the second starter is going to cost. And he decided that he had to have those guys. And he has $8 million to spend on right field. And they used it on Adam. Now, could they have went out and got Michael Brantley instead and not done another pitcher? Maybe, you know, but I don't really love Michael Brantley in right field either. Like consistently, I don't think he can really play out there. Like I, I thought Jack Peterson was the move. I understand being apprehensive over that sort of profile because you have so many of them. Um, I just think right field is, is, you know, it's just going to be a revolving door for a while until you can solve that thing. Um, But, you know, they, they do have one of the best teams in the American league, like regardless of, you know, like you could stick angle out there with, with somebody and still be a division contender. So it's just, yeah, I, I just think people were put off because it's Adam Eaton and he's kind of annoying and, and whatever. Um, I think some of the clubhouse stuff on this team might be a little bit overblown. Like, that team was a mess in 2016, yeah. you know. Like, you had all these vets that were clashing with each other and Robin Ventura was on his cell phone in his office, you know, and that and that, that was pretty much it, you know. So I don't think they'd do this move if they thought it would kill him, um, but I just – I don't know how productive he's going to be.
0: Yeah, well, I, I, I I agree with you that he, come March and you don't have a right fielder yet, you go, oh, yeah, let's, let's, uh, mm-hmm. still out there. Let's, let's get him. Uh, MLB.com guy today wrote, oh, they can still get Springer. And then that's, you didn't get Eaton because you're going to get Springer.
2: No, <laughs> no just, way. That's
0: just not going to happen.
2: I mean, I agree with James. I, I think this move to do this move this early is because you're going for someone else. And you don't want to fall asleep at the wheel and end up with no right fielder. Um, That is my hope. I hope it means that potentially Liam Hendricks is coming our way. Uh, But yeah, it it makes no sense defensively uh, or offensively. So, or morale wise. So I'm not entirely sure what else uh, Eaton could be, could be there for. I was actually more of a fan of James's suggestion of Jock Peterson, um, I liked your argument James and I think it it would have made Peterson a, a, a decent fit and I get the risk with Jock Peterson but also I'd be interested in seeing Jock Peterson in a new environment uh, with some new coaches and and some new teammates and see how he shifts in that situation Adam Eaton I I mean I I'm, I'm with James as well and that I, I actually kind of liked Eaton the player back when he was playing for the White Sox. I thought he was actually kind of a fiery, interesting no, guy. Made he some was. made some good plays. Uh, but those days of Adam Eaton seemed to be be past us. Now, last year, you can always argue kind of a funky year. So a lot of guys didn't get their regular routines in. Um, but I, if this doesn't lead to a, a pretty monster signing of, of someone else, then – I just have no idea because I agree we're not going for Springer for big money. Brantley, he's kind of a toss-up for me with Eaton anyway. In reality, um, so I'm intrigued to see where think, this is you know, going to go.
1: There is a benefit to doing the bullpen now, just because I've been opposed to big money contracts for relievers um, pretty historically, just because they usually backfire. And you know, like you'll get a You're big funky. year out of a yeah. you'll get a big year out of a reliever, and then the next year they're bad. You know, it's just kind of the way it is, right? So like when Wade Davis signs for seventy million dollars, that's insane, you know. But when Liam, but Liam Hendricks, I mean, if he's three years thirty nine million, and obviously it's not our money, so who cares? But the way the White Sox operate, we kind of have to care. That's nothing for him. Like he's been tremendous the last two years. So you know, if you're deciding that that's what you're doing, then with Liam Hendricks, you're going to go out and get another decent league average starter. Um, and then, you know, Adam Eaton and Angle is going to be your your right field platoon, you know, and then you still have all your prospects or if you need to make a move to deadline, you can. I, I get it. Like, I think that's fine. But I definitely think it indicates that, you know, there's obviously a budget. They know how much they can spend and they decided to, you know, do a one year deal in right field. My guess is Jack Peterson and some of those other guys weren't taken one year. And that's why Adam Eaton's here.
0: Uh also of course we have it'll be a platoon of Adam E and Adam E. So as I say that's very easy for Tony to remember in his old age. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And when I, one I of Eaton, those
1: you know you know that Adam Eaton's a Tony LaRusa guy. For yeah.
2: sure. <laughs> Yeah, I I listened to the infamous hang up yesterday. It was not quite uh-huh. as malicious as, nah, it wasn't as a bad. lot of people made it out to be.
1: And yeah. and you can tell that he he probably said, "I got a few minutes. I'm not talking about Tony." And they kind of like asked him anyway. And then because it didn't seem like like they all seemed to be laughing when they hung up, right? So yeah, yeah.
2: It definitely sounded like he said, you got two minutes to know LaRusa, go. And then at the end he was like, that
1: was two minutes guys. And then it was, and then it was like, you know. Ass bag and Adam Eaton like yeah. hung up on the radio station. You know, it's like oh, Twitter well. went They're hard gonna... at him. I was <laughs> like, what yeah, do yeah, you like... want him to do? He just got on this <laughs> yeah. team four minutes ago. You think he's gonna <laughs> come on
2: and be like the coach is a douche? Like, no, I, he's uh, not gonna do that. That's his boss. That's yeah, how the players can say he, that. They're he, not in a he, to do it. Yeah.
1: He literally just told Chuck Garfine that he was signing, like like ten minutes before that. You
2: know? I, I saw the Chuck Garfine tweet right away and I was like, Oh, that's funny. Like, wouldn't this be awful? Yeah, And then apparently it became Well, really so it was real. weird.
1: It happened because, like, like, two days ago, Garfine had Eaton on the podcast, right? And everybody's kind of like, oh, Eaton's coming back here. It, like, they did the same thing last year with Cole Hamels. Um, and the speculation, oh, Hamels is going to be their second starter that they signed. And then Hamels signed with the Braves, like, the next day. So that's yeah. why I didn't. I didn't really think it meant anything. I just thought, like... Eaton had a relationship with Garfine from his time here in the past, and they're just whatever. He's having them on to pump him up a little bit. Um, so, but nope, he's here. <laughs> Speaking of somebody who's
0: who's, who's not here, you know, we talk to you all the time, all the talk, the opening, oh, then he's starting pitching, need a right fielder, need a DH. Don't really need a DH. We've got a great one. He just happens to play left field. Um, but the thing that seldom gets mentioned, and it's going to come up again because the word today is James McCann is signing with. The Mets, a backup catcher is a hell of a lot more important than a backup anything else. And we ain't got one. Zach Collins, Sebby Zavala, Mercedes, there's nothing in the side system. Uh, That's somebody who's going to start 40 games a year, at least for you. And it's going to be very important. And just, is there a direction? Is there anything out there?
1: I think Yasmani Grandal better be ready to play about 135 games behind the plate. So, no. I mean, Rick Hahn said yesterday they like their three guys. Um, that's probably not true. I mean, I think, I, I think you know, I think you see maybe, like, a, a defensive type guy on a minor league deal, um, and then that guy possibly, like, makes the team. So, I've actually – I actually like Zach Collins, but he is a – like, he's a platoon lefty, and – you know, for Zach Collins, the way he plays, he's like a three, three true out type guy. He's played a lot, and he's never going to play a lot. So he's probably never very good. Like, because, you know, him getting some playing time occasionally, that's just not the type of player he is. But it's also tough to turn around and deal him because his value is at his lowest. So my guess is Zach Collins is going to be on the team um as the backup and then they'll have like a vet to like somebody you know like remember the old Kevin Smith that used to be on the Sox like somebody like that that can catch Giolito that's decent defensively um because I mean James McCann look I mean he he was gonna get paid somewhere I, I like James McCann I think James McCann is is gonna disappoint the Mets personally um I think he's very good as part of a tandem but if James McCann plays 120 times a year I just feel like he's gonna crater at some point so I and mean, I, I could be wrong about that that's just how I've always felt he's really he should start against every lefty and rake against lefties um, but if you play him too much you know you start to see some of the reasons why he struggled in Detroit
2: yeah I I, I think that's definitely a possibility I really like James McCann um, so I, I hope that that's not the case and I actually hope he goes to New York and just gets better and better and rakes and um, you know helps out the the Mets. But Collins is Collins is tricky. You know he's a platoon guy who can't hit righties or lefties. Uh, so that's a. And can't catch.
1: And can't catch.
0: That being we said, we
1: got Mercedes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Mercedes
0: I, at least has a, a one strong area. He can mm-hmm. hit the ball seven thousand feet. <laughs> yeah. That being said, I'm not writing off Collins yet, just
2: because you know he is still young and he's, you know, he's got a lot to learn. He has to improve. I mean, can't go too much further down. So, uh, I think it will end up being Collins as as the platoon with Grandall. But you're not joking when you say Yasmani needs to be ready to play 135. (laughs) I think he needs to be ready to play 162, and let's hope he only plays 135. Well,
1: and, and you've – you know, we've seen, like, the the roster issues, right? I mean, even, like, bringing McCann back is something that sounds great, right? Until you realize that, like, Monte Grandal got paid a lot. Like, he's got to play. So when he's not catching, he should play first through DH. But you also have Jose Abreu. You have Eloy Jimenez, who is, like, close to getting his glove taken away. And then, <laughs> and then, and then you have Andrew Vaughn, too. So, like, something's got to give somewhere, right? So, like, yeah. I remember last year, like, McCann would be catching, and I right away I'm like, okay, who's dh Okay, Edwin's in there and Abreu's in there. Okay, so now Grandall's sitting. And, like, Grandall's good against righties and lefties. So, like, why is he sitting? Well, because your lineup, because your roster's weird, you know? Yeah. So, you know, if you were to sign, like, another – like, I've seen people talk about Yadi Molina because he knows Tony. I mean, that, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. I think you're going to have a traditional backup that starts – 30, 30, 35 games a year. Maybe it's somebody that Giolito likes throwing to. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Han, you know, Han committed to his three, but that doesn't that doesn't mean anything at this stage of the offseason. Absolutely, yeah.
0: All right. Yeah, I, I, but it'll be interesting to see what happens there. If we do, uh, James, if we take away the glove from our left fielder, and it is kind of a necessary thing to do. I mean, it just looks hopeless, and you got to have him in the lineup. So we make him the the, the DH. We need another outfielder, number one. And number two, we've got a huge overload, as you mentioned just now, at first base, slash DH. Just a huge overload. Well, you'd hate to see Andrew Vaughn go, but that seems like a possible trade for a starting pitcher right there or a, a left fielder.
1: Yeah, so Andrew Vaughn's like really good. Like guy, So guys as good as him usually don't get dealt, right, which is kind of the weird thing. but But it's also, you know, you're probably not going to hand DH to him immediately because he hasn't played higher than high A. So he was great at the alternate site, and they loved his exit velocity readings and all the batted ball data and all this stuff. But the bottom line is he hasn't played higher than high A Winston-Salem. So my guess is he starts in the minors. But if he's awesome, I mean – you know, they're not going to hold back bringing him up, but that brings us back to the, you know, the root of the problem, right? You got Jose Abreu and you probably got Eloy like that has to like bring his glove to the field with him because you don't have DH at bats open for him. So yeah, if they do make Eloy a full-time DH, then it's going to affect your roster somewhere, which is why I kind of think they're going to leave him in left and just hope and pray that he can somehow become below average um. Yes, I said hope that he becomes below average because um, that you can live with, right? If he's Manny Ramirez out there, like, just, like, catch the stuff that's hit at you, right, and field the grounders and anything over your head, just whatever. Like, just, yeah. you know, just, like, let it go. But anything again, over your
2: head, there's a guy named Luis who plays yeah. right by you and just let him stroll on over.
1: Well, and and that's why you feel- have that- – Well, that's why you have to hope too that Adam Eaton is like, you know, not horrible defensively now, right? Like, is he? The problem has
0: been with him, wasn't it? An an ACL tear that since then he can't play the field anymore. Yeah, and he's not as, and
1: he's not as bad. Like he was bad in center, and that weighs down some of his like career defensive metrics. Um, but yeah, like he, you know, he should should be able to. Yeah, and and angles, you know probably the best outfielder on the team, but, but he can't get exposed either. Like there's a lot of people that think, you know, I heard that today, right? Oh, Engel should just play over Eaton. Well, Engel's another guy who's in the perfect spot play against lefties defensive replacement. He'll carve out a nice, like awesome 10 year career where he's like respected. Right. But if you play him 150 times against all righties, like it's going to be ugly. It's just not going to, you know, his strikeout percentage is well over 35% against right-handers. So yeah, he, can he can play sometimes. He can play sometimes. <laughs> like sometimes. That's fine. But he's a lefty murderer, and he's awesome in the outfield. So that's his role. That's fine. Like he, he carved yeah. out a big league role for himself for a long time. He could so have up, a long so mess career.
2: Away. He could yeah. have a great career with that role.
1: Yeah, there's lots of guys in Oakland and in Tampa that have, like, been 10-year big leaguers because they're lefty killers.
0: Yeah. So. One thing one thing back on, on Aloy, I think, in, in addition to the let Luis, catch all the balls that aren't right on the foul line. The important thing on the grounders that you mentioned, James, is as soon as you get one of those, you see this guy right here? He's your shortstop. Get it to him right away. Don't you eat to a base. Don't get it to him. And let not worry about it.
1: Yeah, and the thing with Eloy, like he wasn't horrible. Like when he unless the Cubs just like did a really good job of like hiding it, right? Like him as a prospect, he wasn't billed as like, you know, left field only masher. He was, you know, a fairly athletic outfielder. But then he did get like really big, I think. And then and then he just kinda you know, he's never had really a right field arm. Um nah. but he's horrible out there. But <laughs> like, but he's, but, really he's bad. but he but he's gonna hit fifty homers. So Yeah. <laughs>
2: He definitely is. And he's, you know, on a team full of really fun guys. He seems yeah. like he's the most fun. I think he's a really integral part of this team.
1: I think one of the – yeah, one of the fears is – and, I, look, he probably um, – you know, he he's probably better than this, but I guess one of the fears is, like, when you move a 24-year-old to DH full-time, like maybe you lose him a little bit. But, you know, you got to get better than that, right? So, yeah. I mean, I don't – you know, like uh, that was threatened – Upon Abreu, like Abreu was told that he was basically going to be their DH, and he got a lot better. He was great at first last year, much better, really, really, much better than I ever thought that he'd be. You know, absolutely and a, lot, and a lot of that, a lot of that's because he was told like he hates DHing. Like, well, if you hate DHing, then get better in the field. Otherwise, you're going to be thing.
2: Which it's possible that we're gonna we're gonna see that kind of work put in by Aloy over the next couple of years. I mean, he is a kid. He is so young. He's ten years younger than me, and. I, I definitely think that
0: he could improve. Do I think likely. it's likely?
2: That's not super but likely. I,
0: I, I think it's unfair to say he, if, he, if he puts in the work. I think he's put in the work. Yeah. I, I don't think he's been lazy at all in trying no, to I just think
1: him. No, I just think he's bad. Yeah. Hard. yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, unfortunately, that is the reality we're facing. I just wish, because I, I love him so much, I wish I could yeah. see him just show up this next year and earn that gold glove Yomer style.
0: Well, James uh, says it, be be below average, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's well, all we're if, asking for.
1: Well, if you, yeah, like if he can just not kill himself, I think we're fine.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> or or it's somebody low, else.
1: It's a low bar. Yeah,
2: it <laughs> is a low bar, but for a guy who I think had 37 consecutive games where he got caught in a net in the outfield, um, I think there's
0: a really good chance that. <laughs> That we could be out a lot. There. It, it, there's it's a very serious chance that he could hurt himself and miss a lot of action. No question. Yeah, he's he plays with he plays really hard, but man, he.
1: And that and that's the thing I think. Like you know, you go back to Andrew Vaughn and like you know, like you could you know, if they did want to fork over some cash right now, right? And you you put a Michael Brantley in left field and Eaton in right field and you DH way every day, that's fine. Like you're trying to win a division, but as soon as Andrew Vaughn's ready. Then you got a roster problem again. And look, nobody's yeah. ever had too many good players, you know, so it's fine. Like if it, I wouldn't be stunned if they DH him a lot to start the year, if they add like something else, right? Or even maybe Eaton's in, in right field against a lefty and angles in left and Eloy is your DH. Like, you know, whatever. I mean, I think they have a little bit of flexibility. You could play Larry some too. Um, it's just doing it, doing it full time is a problem when you have five first basemen, you know, that are close to the majors, <laughs> right? I mean, even, like, Gavin Sheets isn't a huge, like, you know, prospect that's definitely going to be a big leaguer. But, I mean, Gavin Sheets takes off at Charlotte. There's another first baseman, right? Yeah. Jake, Jake Berger's third base, first base, and he's healthy and playing again finally. So, yeah, they they just have a ton of corner guys that all do the same thing. So, making Eloy that right now is, is premature um, probably, but he's getting to the point where, yeah like if he's going to hurt himself or someone else, he might have to just like make that move because he's got to be in your lineup. So,
2: well, we should, uh, we should wrap up for today. Uh, I'm sure James will have you on again at some point when we find out that Larusa has made Adam Eaton the leadoff hitter. Uh, <laughs> and Tim Anderson has burned a guarantee right field to the ground, uh, which is actually fine as well. So we can start over there. Um, but any last, any last thoughts today, James, as you're, as you're joining us.
1: No, I mean, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, I, I'm pretty excited just because, you know, I think they're the AL Central favorites, and you can make the argument that, you know, they could beat anybody in the American League, regardless of our thoughts on their their higher manager and their signing in right field. I do think they're going to add a little bit more. Um, and I think, you know, if we focus on the players, we'll, uh, we'll have a pretty good time. So,
2: Which uh, leads me to uh, the Geezer's last thoughts. I have one for you, which is turn your hat around. Because we're going forward again, baby. Even with Adam Eaton. Uh, All right, there we go. There we go. You don't always have to well, be compression.
0: Well we'll hope that, that that that's the direction that's coming up. Uh, and I think that does do it for this week. We'll see. There's more winter meetings and maybe more excitement before we're back again. Yeah, tomorrow's the Rule 5 draft.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah, big (laughs) day tomorrow.
0: Well, thanks again, James.
2: Uh, It was really great to talk to you, and uh, thanks for sharing your socks, and we'll see you all next time. All right. Right on. Thanks for having me.